Good morning, church. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. There you are. I know a lot of people are uh, under the weather today, and, and also at the same time, a lot of folks visiting with us today. So I hope during the greeting time and as you came in, you were welcomed with the love of Jesus Christ, and uh, pray that, that your experience here today is uh, meaningful and, and um, that you will look back on this time and, and feel that, wow, uh, God snuck up on me here today. Sometimes he does that, doesn't he? He sneaks up on us when we don't expect it. Some of you are just expecting to come here and go through the motions and walk out and continue with your day, and you might just hear something today that surprises you or challenges you in a, in a unique way. So with that said, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. We are prepared. So uh, put your hand up nice and high. Guys in the back will bring a Bible to you, or you can uh, distract your neighbor and steal their iPhone or something like that. They've got an app, I'm sure. Are we there in our Bibles? John chapter 8. Great. Today, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. What a great passage to begin the Christmas season with, right? So let's pray. Father, as we open up your word, I pray that that our ears are open as well, that our hearts are open. Lord, we didn't come here, I pray, to go through a religious routine, to put in our time, to go through the motions. Lord, we came here because we want to know you. We believe you're knowable. And we believe not just that we want to know you, but we need to know you. We know that we live in a world filled with darkness. And sometimes that darkness is never so evident as coming into the Christmas season. Lord, I pray that we would be people of the light. I pray that you'd you'd show us more about ourselves. Reveal to us more about yourself. So that we can live a life that is certainly unique, different, Lord. Than what we would have lived without you. Father, uh, take this time. As we cry out to you. With open mouths, Lord, feed us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. We have... uh, in our world, a, a unique relationship with the sun, I think, don't we? With the S-U-N. Uh, I, lo- I look at my cats and dogs and as the sun's coming through the window, and there they are laying on the floor right there. And the, they know how to position themselves to get warm. I, maybe some of you remember when, we, when, when I was growing up, we used to go to the beach and actually put oil on our bodies to intensify the rays of the sun. And now everybody's out there, you know, full clothes and all protected from the rays of the sun. Uh, the sun is, a, is an interesting entity uh, in our world. And we, you can study and people have studied the effects of uh, the lack of sun on people's lives. So as we get into John chapter 8, we're talking about light, the sun, and we're talking about the S-O-N, Jesus, the Son of God. So a little bit of background for John chapter 8. We're going to pick up this morning in verse 12. But we've sort of cut off in the middle of a, of a section here. Previously, Jesus had been in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a celebration that they had once a year in the fall. And he had been there for that. And, and the next morning after that whole 
feast had ended, he's early in the morning, he comes to the temple, and he's teaching there, and they bring to him this woman caught in adultery. Remember that? If you were here last week, John chapter 8, verse 1 tells the story of, of the Pharisees, the religious guys, who find this woman, she's caught in the very act of adultery, and they're trying to trap Jesus, and they're using her as a pawn, and, and they bring her there, and, and he says to them back in verse 7, he was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first, in which we, we, many of us know that verse, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. You see, she was guilty, she was busted, she knew it, but they'd been hiding their sin behind a religious front. But Jesus, nothing was hidden from him. So he starts to write in the ground, write in the sand, and they take off one by one until there's no one left to throw stones at her. You see, if they had thrown stones at her, they would have had to throw them at themselves because they were guilty of the same things that she was guilty of. Only theirs was hidden. Hers had now been brought into the light. And so she, uh, she's there with Jesus. All of her accusers had left. The, but two or three witnesses is what it takes to, to carry out the death penalty. There were no witnesses left. And Jesus says, that, uh, where, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they're gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn, condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that's where we pick up in, in verse 12. Follows right along with that story about sin and and openness and hiddenness and light and darkness the other thing i'll tell you by way of introduction is that one of the nights the during the feast of tabernacles was called the illuminating of the temple and they would uh, have four huge huge menorahs or, or candelabras in the middle of the temple area and they would light those on the evening the first night of the uh, the feast of tabernacles and the wise men and the, not the the christmas wise men that's different wise men uh, but people from the temple the rabbis the the scholars would dance and sing all night they would sing psalms and just praise the lord all night long in light in the light of these candelabras and do you, can you guess what that might have been representing for them what was it the feast of tabernacles had to do with their wandering in the wilderness years ago and how did god lead them by a pillar of fire so they were celebrating the fact that God had led them by a pillar of fire and they would illuminate the temple and that would remind them or, or bring back to memory the illumination of the pillar of fire that led them by night in the wilderness. So all of that is a backdrop because otherwise you can't understand exactly what Jesus is saying here. All of that, the backdrop. Verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, the ones that were left at least. Some of them had gone on. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life we could probably spend uh, the rest of this week and next couple weeks just talking about that verse it's the second of seven at least seven some would count eight i am statements in the gospel of john the first one was i am the bread of life and that's meant to speak to you hungry people and i'm not speaking of physical hunger because some people, they just recognize that in their lives, there should be more. You know, that this, there's something, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And we're involved in these things and we're kind of going around, you know, doing life. But this can't be it. You're hungry for something else. And so you try this and you try that. Nothing seems to satisfy. And to you, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
But then there, the second I am statement is this one right here. I am the light of the world. And that's also meant for some of you. That's some of you that are looking, as I was in my life, for truth. I saw a lot of stuff in the world, and I go, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be. That's not right. And I began to search for the truth. Any of you like that? You, when I, I was reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I was reading The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I was investigating because I knew, again, that, that something had to make sense of life. Something had to make sense of this kooky, crazy world I was being brought up in and I was living in. And you get to that point sometimes in your life. Some people are younger, some people are older. Some people ignore it all their lives where you just go, something's not right. This world is broken. And there's got to be truth somewhere. And so to you, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, he's speaking this at the time. They were talking about light, the, the illumination of the temple, the candelabras. And he says to them, hey, yes, that's a temporary light. It's just for the temple. And it's just for this celebration. And, and you can dance and sing around that and be joyful and, and enjoy that light in darkness. But I am the light of the world. I'm the light. I'm the, the, the light that continues. You don't have to just end the, fe- the festivals. You don't have to end the ceremony here. You can continue to walk in my light on a daily basis. And those of you that have, have experienced that. Man, knowing the truth. Jesus is going to say it. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. So many people are bound up. Because this world... It lies to you. This Christmas, the world is lying to you about what you need to be happy, about all the material things that you need, you know, and and we buy gifts for people we don't really want to buy gifts for because there's obligation to do it and all these things we go through at Christmas time when we're supposed to be celebrating the light of the world. So in some ways, the light speaks of direction. What, What comes to your mind when you think of darkness? Think about it. I mean, what? just some words that come to your mind when you think of darkness. Fear. Yeah, that's a big one. Fear. Confusion. I mean, I lived, I've lived in the same house for a number of years. I get up in the middle of the night. I still don't know where I'm going. And then, my, now my wife's not here so I can tell this story. She likes to set obstacles out in my way. <laughs> pair of shoes. A shirt, something, so that I get up and I know, like, I, I can pretty much sense where I'm supposed to go to get around the bed and around the, sometimes I'm off and you stub the toe a little bit, but, but then Helga leaves obstacles for me in the way, and so I trip on them. So darkness can be confusing. Darkness can be scary. Darkness is the place where things can hide. Darkness speaks of hiddenness and concealing. But light is the opposite of those things. Light is openness and transparency. Light is truth and not lies. Light is vision, being able to see where you're going and what you're doing. And light is, light is honesty, honesty and genuineness, being out in the open. You see, when he says to them, I am the light of the world, it is in a front on a couple of angles. One they thought the Pharisees that he had just sent packing because he wrote some sins of theirs in the sand or whatever he wrote, it convicted them. And see, they thought they were the light of the world. 
And Paul makes reference to that in Romans chapter, chapter 3, that you think you're a light to people who are walking in darkness, but the problem is you're living secretly in darkness yourself. You can't be a light to others if you're living in darkness. And so he says to them, I'm not you. Not. So he's speaking to a group of people like, like us right here. They're in the temple. He's in the treasury, one part of the temple. And he says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow those guys, where they're going to lead you is into religion and, and into condemnation and into spiritual death and, and misery. If you've ever been in a legalistic church, you know that legalism is spiritual death and misery. The, the letter of the law kills rules and regulations and you've got to follow this and you've got to follow that and do this and do this and don't do that. Oh. But Jesus says, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. We'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit. I am the light of the world. The second I am state, I'm the light of the world. Not just the Jews. I'm the light. See, Christianity is not just in a Western religion. Some people that well, why would we want to take the gospel to uh, let them have their religions and we'll have ours and everybody can be happy. Listen, I've been there. Some of you have too. You've seen that the temples and the other religions, they are filled with darkness. We have this Americanized view of Hinduism or Americanized view of Buddhism. I've been to the temples. They're very dark places. When you share the gospel with someone, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When you have a friend, and maybe someone, you're in darkness right now. And you share the gospel with them, you are showing them the light. What better gift can you give someone who sits in the darkness than a lamp? Right? And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. That, when, when he says, shall not, I don't get into the Greek all the time, but this is a Greek phrase that has fascinated me. It's, it's in Greek, it's a double negative. It's called emphatic negation. And it means that there is no possibility of it happening. So a person that's following Jesus, see, a lot of people come and they just want to hear some truths and go out and live their life. And, and just get, you know, we just want to come to church and have my marriage fixed. Just, I just want my marriage fixed. I don't really want to follow Jesus. I just want to learn some things, get my marriage fixed, and then I'll go on my own again. And I just want to live with just, the, I want to kind of hang out in the shade. That's why everybody looks at you and says, you're so shady. Nobody trusts you because you're just kind of shady. I, just want to, I want a little bit of light, but not an, just some. But here's the key. This is the whole key to freedom, folks. It's so easy. Just start following Jesus. Just start where he goes, you go. Just spend time in his presence, in the word, in prayer. It changes your life. And it, you won't be able to, and I've talked to some of you. So many of you folks, myself included, you know, you, you come to church, you just get saved, there's still a lot of darkness in your life. And some of you here may be, you know, partying hard on Saturday night and Sunday morning you come to church. Or you're out living this way, you know, during the week and then you come to church. And, and you say, well, I, why can't I stop doing that? I just want to stop doing this thing. I want to stop, you know, I want to stop my alcoholism. I really want to stop it. And so all of your focus is on stopping your alcoholism. 
or stopping your marijuana abuses or whatever else it is you might be into, your, your pornography, whatever. You want to stop that thing. Hey, forget about stopping that thing. Start following Jesus. When you do what he does, it is impossible. Paul wrote it this way in Galatians. If you walk in the Spirit, it is not possible for you to do the works of the flesh. They are polar opposites. So if you follow Jesus, you see, if you follow the Pharisees, if you follow religious people, if you follow your pastor, don't follow me. If you follow Jesus, where he goes, he, how many people can say, I am the light of, my name is Pastor Stephen, hi, I'm the light of the world. Oh, that doesn't sound good, does it? Jesus can say that. He is, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So the closer you are to him, the more light you'll have in your life. Do you remember when Jesus went up, I mean, excuse me, when uh, Moses went up on the mountaintop to meet with the Lord? Meet with God. And he came back down. What happened to his skin? He was kind of glowing from being in the presence of God. But he had to veil himself. Why? Because it was fading. He'd have to get back in the presence of God. He'd get charged back up again. And then he'd come down the mountain. But Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we can behold, like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord and be transformed ourselves. When we follow Jesus, it transforms us We get into the light, and it changes us from glory to greater glory by the Spirit of God. It it impacts my, I can't, you know, you just got to experience it to understand it. And then those other things, those habits, those addictions, those misconceptions, those lies, they start to fade away. Your whole, listen, the whole focus is following Jesus. That's where it's at. That's the beginning and the end. Follow Jesus and be transformed by him. That's what he says here. Now, interestingly, I did this experiment a number of years ago. So I'm going to give you guys a way to test this, okay? Because I think this goes back before being led in the wilderness by the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. I think it goes back to Genesis. When in the beginning, uh, there, there was darkness over the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light. And the light was not just for, for brightness or to divide, to divide the night from the day. The light also was for a sign and for seasons. For a sign, I think part of that is people navigate by the sun, don't they? We, people for years, before we had GPS and Magellan and Garmin and all these other things, I've got a, a British woman that talks to me in the car. We call her Edna recalculating she recalculates a lot when i drive they didn't have that stuff they had to use the sun why because the sun is consistent and you can count on it and you can navigate by it now here's what you can try when you go home Uh, if you have kids this is great this is a real teaser you, you, get, you get a blindfold and you go out to a field. Go out a, down to Pleasant Grove or go to Bunker Field at the lake or wherever you need to go to find a, a good-sized field and, and put a $100 bill. Put your, your, your child, your, your teenager on this side of the field. Now, you've got to make sure that blindfold is tight, right, because they'll find a way to cheat. You can't cheat. You get that blindfold on 
and you stand at one end, like in the soccer goal or wherever you can be, on one end of the field. And directly at the other end of the field, you put a $100 bill. And you blindfold them. You tell them, if you get it, if you can, if you can get to this spot, you can have it. And then you watch what happens. Without out, outside cues, without ex, something outside of yourself to navigate by, do you know what people do? They walk in circles. It is absolutely scientifically proven fact. You can go and, and corroborate that for yourself with a blindfold and some children and a $100 bill. Maybe you can get it from Monopoly or something like that. But listen, here's it. So I, I did that experiment myself. I printed out this article without landmarks. This is called People Naturally Walk in Circles. It's from Discover, uh, Discovery Magazine. Without landmarks, people are naturally wired to walk around and around rather than in straight lines, research finds. If you're lost in the woods and you feel like you're walking in circles, you probably are. Without landmarks to guide us, people really do go around and around, found a new study. Just walking in a straight line seems like such a simple and natural thing to do, but if you think about it, it's quite complicated uh, thing going on in the brain. This fellow who did the project, his project started when a German popular science television show approached his group with a viewer question. Why do people walk in circles when they're lost? At first, he wasn't sure that that was actually true, that people really did walk in circles. When lost, he suspected people might veer to the left or right, but he didn't expect them to actually walk in circles. So to find out, he instructed nine people to walk as straight as possible in one direction for several hours. Six were in a flat, forested area, and three were in the Sahara Desert in Tunisia. And they all wore GPS receivers so they could analyze their, their progress, their route. The results, which were published in the journal Current Biology, showed that no matter how hard people tried to walk in a straight line, they often ended up going in circles without ever realizing that they were crossing their own paths. Now, here's the twist. This is what I was speaking to you about. Circular walking only happened to the four forest walkers who had to walk in overcast conditions and to the one desert walker who walked at night after the moon had set. Those who could see the sun or moon managed to travel fairly straight. People find it really hard to say what they did exactly. It's pretty clear from our data that they do use the sun somehow. In a follow-up experiment, researchers challenged 15 people to walk straight while blindfolded. They couldn't, when they couldn't see at all, the walkers ended up going in surprisingly small circles with a diameter of less than 66 feet. There's more to the article, but I think you get the idea. Look, in my life, and I don't just say this because it, 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 it's convenient for preaching, but the reality is I was walking in circles without the Lord. I had no real direction, um, no real aim. And, just, and maybe someone in here this morning is feeling like I'm just going, I'm making the same mistakes over and over again. I'm going around the same, I'm, I'm doing the same things I, I've done all the time. Let me challenge you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall, cannot, it's impossible to follow him. And continue walking in darkness. The Pharisees, they were walking in darkness. If you follow me, Jesus says, things change. It straightens up your path. It straightens out your life. And you can finally see where you're going. And those things you've been hiding, man, that weighs so heavy on a person to live in hiding. To live in secret 
live in, in, in sinful life. It's just so fatiguing. It's so nice. Let me invite you into the light. Can I just do that this morning? If you're not walking in the light, I just want to invite you out. You think, oh, you know, they'll be condemning and people will. No, it's freeing when you say, ah, I want to walk in the light. It's very, very freeing. And what you find in the light is forgiveness. What you find is acceptance. What you find is grace and not condemnation. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's move on from there. The Pharisees, therefore, said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. How can you say this? About, I mean, who are you to claim I am the light of the world? And by the way, they also would have understood this as messianic all through the Bible. Uh, the Messiah, the, the, the one who was going to come to rescue their nation, was spoken of as, uh, as light. You know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I think that's Psalm 27 uh, and on and on in the book of Isaiah. So they say, well, who do you think you are? They know he's claiming to be God, to be the Messiah. And they say, well, you can't say that about yourself. You know, I can say, hey, I'm the next American Idol. But that doesn't make it true, right? Someone else should, should be able to make the judgment of that. And so he says, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. See, Jesus is so confident. He, he's so, uh, he understands he, uh, himself. He knows who he is. He knows where he's come from. He knows where he's going. He's come from God. He's going back to God. Uh, we were in the Smithsonian Institute a number of years ago, the, uh, nat- the Museum of Natural History. And I was in their evolutionary exhibit. And they, which they changed, by the way. Now somehow uh, our ancestors are, are like rat-looking creatures, uh, which was new to me. And matter of fact, they had this, uh, this exhibition of uh, cavemen that they had taken down because they had learned some new things and were having to revise that. But in there was a quote. It says, if we don't know where we came from, we can't know where we're going. I, looked, I said, amen, as I looked at monkeys and all this, this evolutionary thing. It's real important to know where you came from. God said, uh, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I formed you when no one could see you. You got to know where you came from so that you can know where you're going. That's life changing as well. So Jesus says, look, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. If you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. What's that make you? Lost. It makes you lost. Going in circles. I don't know where I came from. Don't know where I'm going. People that get lost in the woods, they find them less than a mile from where they got lost. Why? Because they just walk in circles. Because they can't, no reference points outside of themselves. You need a reference point outside of yourself. Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. That gave his life such confidence and assurance. And that's what God has done for me in my life. And I know it's what he'll do for you. When you follow him, when you know him, when you know where you came from and you know where you're going. A lot of people don't know where they're going when they die. They don't know where they're going in this life. They have no goals uh, that, that are outside of their own selfish ambitions, no direction, no real certainty. Hey, I'm afraid of the dark. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of having lived my life in darkness. That's what, I, that's what I'm afraid of. 
Not the darkness of, of physical darkness, the spiritual darkness. I'm afraid of having, are, are any of you afraid of having lived your life for a lie? At the end of your life, looking back on it and going, what do I have to show for it? A lot of people that, that have those feelings on their deathbed don't know where they've been going and, and don't, uh, don't know where they've come from, where they're, where they're going. But Jesus knew, he said, verse 15, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. I'm not here to judge anybody. But you judge based on what you can see, what's evident to you. For I am not alone. Ah, oh, sorry, verse 16. And yet if I do judge, even if I, if enough I was going to judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? And that was probably a very cutting thing. So this is sort of a judicial thing. They've got him on trial, you know. Hey, where'd you come from? Where are you, you know, who are, who are you to say that you're the light of the world? And he says, look, I know that your law says by two or, it takes two or three witnesses to establish something. And, and I'm a witness to myself. And my father has also uh, been a witness to me. And then they say, well, where is your father? See, they thought... He was a uh, illegitimate child because he was born when he was when he was conceived. Mary and Joseph weren't uh, officially married. And so they would to cut him. They would say, oh, you're an illegitimate child. Where is your father? That was a cutting remark. And Jesus said in verse 19. You know, neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And that's where we'll stop uh, for this morning. Um, the folks that are going to serve communion, kind of prepare yourselves in the back as we talk about that last verse. He is speaking to uh, the most religious people that existed at that time. I know it's, people are moving around, so let me make sure we, we, uh, we're still connected here. Are we connected? Yes, okay. Because what he said was really important to those, to those religious people, to their... You know, it's not about religion. You know that. I hope you do know that. They had all the external things. They claimed to know. They had the Bible. They claimed to know God. They claimed to be teachers about the truth. But yet he says, somehow in all of that, you miss me. They, they, they should have been expecting this, what they saw in Jesus. They should have known what to look for. And there is God in front of them. And they reject him. They rejected the light. They rejected the truth. You see, light just shines. Jesus just came and he just shined. And in him, people were supposed to see the Father. If they knew, they'd been spending their whole life studying about God. God, this God is like this. God is like that. Hey, wait a second. You're like this and you're like that. Well, God does this. God does that. And you do this and you do that. Well, hey, wait a second. You must be, oh, you're here. It's God. Look, we compare and what we read and what we see. But they had developed such their own religious system. They missed him. And they rejected him. He's not what they wanted. And he exposed them. That's another thing light does. You know that, right? Light exposes stuff. And, and that's the effect that Christ had in my life. Exposed some things. Some things that weren't right in my life that needed to be exposed. 
So if you want to, when light comes into the world, people that like darkness have to reject it. There was a guy, and he thought he was a moth. You ever hear about this guy? He he had his psychiatric problems. He thought he was a moth. So he's walking down the street, and he he goes into the, the doctor's office. And he says, are you the doctor? He says, yes, I'm the doctor. Well, doctor, you've got to help me. I think I'm a moth. He says, well, oh, you know, you, you, you think you're a moth. I mean, that's, you, you don't need me. I'm a cardiologist. You need a psychiatrist. As a matter of fact, why in the world did you come in here? He said, well, the light was on. There are those bugs, those animals, those creatures that are attracted to the light. I know that was poor, but it does make a point. And then there are cockroaches that hide from the light. So I'm not saying, you know, moth, cockroach, you know, I'm not saying you've got to clarify yourself as one of those. But look, we're about to share communion. And it's not just a ritual. This is God himself inviting you to join him in the light. And when we, when we eat this meal together, to eat a meal in that culture is to become one. So if you want to be one with Christ, if you want to follow him, if you want to walk in the light, if you're ready to confess the dark things that you're hiding, whatever it is, and receive that forgiveness, and have God welcome you to his table and into a relationship with him, then please partake of the communion. That's what it's for. God is inviting you, just like Jesus was inviting them to follow him and walk in the light. And that's an invitation to some of you this morning. And I want you to participate. But if, you're, if you don't want to be one with God, if you still love your darkness more than the light, why would you want to hold on to your darkness? I don't know. But if that's what you want, then as the, as the elements come around, just let them pass by. If you're just not ready to, to, to enter into a relationship with the Lord then just let the elements pass by. But he's inviting you. So uh, I'm going to invite Phil back up here. And, and once you, the elements come around, just hold on to them. We'll all partake together. So just hold on to the elements, uh, the bread and, and the cup that come around, and, uh, or, or let them pass by. But I, please, I want to urge you. Light is good, isn't it? So we're going to sing a few songs as we just prepare our hearts. And, and as, I, um, as you guys are preparing to receive uh, and be reminded of what the Lord has done to make you, uh, to give you access to God, to show Him to you, to, to restore that relationship with you. Uh, Paul talk about, uh, talks about begging. We plead with people to be reconciled to God. And, and not to walk in circles. So as the uh, elements come around, ask yourself, is there a place and an area in my life where I'm walking in darkness? I'm just, to walk in, you understand, means to live or to, uh, to engage in, to practice something. And maybe this morning is a morning of confession for you. We're getting into the Christmas season and, and, and really the celebration of the light. And... and Sin loves to stay hidden. We talked about this at the men's retreat. Sin loves to stay hidden, and it gains power from staying hidden. 
But if you bring it into the light, it cannot survive. Light kills sin. Can't survive. It'll thrive in the darkness. So maybe this morning is the morning you want to just, I'll be down here, a couple other folks, some of the elders maybe, or uh, some of the the, uh, women folk who pray will come up forward and we can pray uh, as the elements come around. If you just have something, you don't have to say what it is. Just say, you know, I've got some darkness in my life and I know it needs to go. And now's the time. Amen.